The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. King Herod heard of Jesus and his disciples, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And for this reason, these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent a soldier to the of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. We're all too familiar with the pattern. A person grows in popularity and power, and just when everything seems to be going great, we start to find out about the sordid details, inappropriate financial dealings, trips and extravagant living at public expense, inappropriate conduct with an intern, sexual abuse of children. It takes so many different forms. It's happened to politicians to members of Congress, senators, to presidents. It's happened to priests and bishops. It's happened to star athletes and coaches, heads of corporations and teachers. The list could go on and on. With popularity and power comes great danger. And perhaps the greatest danger is that temptation to believe that the rules no longer apply to me. It only applies to everybody else. Well, Herod was one of those people who seemed to have forgotten 
that the rules apply to him as well. And he started down that road that eventually resulted in the death of an innocent man, John the Baptist. But before I get into this gospel account, I think it's important to put up that screen that we sometimes see on the evening news, which says something like this. The following may be disturbing to some viewers. Well, this gospel is truly disturbing. I even hesitated about using the artwork, the artwork that's on the front of the bulletin today because it's so violent and brings to mind some of the more recent atrocities uh, that have happened to some people captured in the Middle East. But this gospel story is truly disturbing. It is one that reminds us of what the world is like. The world that, that Mark lived in, but also the world that we live in. One of the things that we know about Mark is that he's a realist. He tells it like it is. And one of the things that's so wonderful about his gospel is that it goes so quickly. He seems to move from one thing to another immediately. And immediately is one of the words he loves to use. But at this particular point, there's this expanse of time that he spends on this story about John the Baptist. And one might wonder, why on earth did he do it? I think part of the reason is to show the world that he was living in. But part of it also might have been uh, as a prefiguring of what was going to happen to Jesus. I'm not going to delve into that, but I offer it to you as as a matter of something to reflect upon on your own. That this story about what happened to John the Baptist really points to the passion and death of Jesus. It's interesting to me that this is the only scene in Mark's gospel where Jesus is not present. He's mentioned, but he's not physically there. This is the world without the Christ. This is the world unredeemed, where the weak succumb to the strong where truth is met with violence and where the guilty prevail over the innocent. It is to this world that Jesus came in order to redeem it. Mark begins his account of uh, all of this by saying that Herod knew about Jesus. He had heard about him and obviously Jesus' ministry was growing while at the same time, It seems that John the Baptist's ministry was starting to come to an end. And part of what they understood about Jesus' ministry was the wonders that were occurring around that ministry. And not just with Jesus, but also with the disciples. And so there was speculation in the court of Herod. Was this John the Baptist raised from the dead? Or could it have been a prophet like the prophets of old? Or perhaps it was Elijah. And then Herod comes to the conclusion, no, it is John the Baptist raised from the dead. And then Mark uses a flashback to tell us the story about the execution of John the Baptist. It seems that uh, John the Baptist in his ministry had finally uh, at some point decided he had to speak truth to to the king. And so on more than one occasion, apparently, he goes to Herod and tells him that he is wrong. In fact, it is unlawful for him to have taken the wife of his brother, Philip. Now, you know that there are circumstances under the Jewish law where if a brother 
has died and there are no male uh, successors, there are no male children, then the other brother can take his wife as his wife. And it's a way of, of taking care of this widow. But that was not the case with regard to Herodias, because Herodias had divorced her husband, Philip, and had married Herod. And so John, uh, John apparently comes to them repeatedly, uh, putting the law in front of them, telling them that they're actually living in sin. It's incestuous what they are doing. And Herodias becomes increasingly frustrated with John, and she wants to kill him. Herod, on the other hand, is afraid of him. Now, I think he's partially afraid of him because of the crowds that are following John. And, you know, in, in some parts of the gospel, we hear that it said all of Jerusalem came out to the Jordan to be baptized. So it must have been huge crowds that came to be baptized by John. And the other thing that the gospel says is that, that Herod liked to hear him preach. And I, uh, as I read that over, I thought about uh, there's a, in my family and the little bit of it that seems to be left all live on the left coast. And we were just there. And there's a preacher out there by the name of Price, and he is a uh, he's an amazing preacher, has a huge congregation, and his his gospel is health and wealth. Everybody ought to be a millionaire. Or everybody ought to have the rings and the watch that I have and the Mercedes I've got out in the parking lot. Well, I hear this guy preach, and I, it's like watching a train wreck. I can't take my eyes off of him. It's an amazing experience just to hear him preach. But I'm perplexed by his message. Well, apparently that was the case with Herod. He was fascinated by the preaching of John. And he was afraid of the fact that John had all of these followers. And Herod's situation in Galilee was a bit precarious. He was not one of the favorites of Rome. In fact, he really wasn't a king. And so Herod finds himself in this really difficult situation of protecting this prophet, protecting John the Baptist and his new wife, happy with their situation, wanting to kill him. Well, finally, the opportunity comes for Herodias to get rid of John the Baptist. It's Herod's birthday party, and he throws a, a big party for the courtiers and, and, in, and also for the leadership in Galilee. So he has these people from Galilee there as well as those who served him and are a part of his court. And then uh, Herodias's daughter comes in and she dances for them. And they are so taken with the dancing and so delighted with what she has performed for them that Herod says, I'll give you anything you ask for, anything, even half of my kingdom. Now, you can imagine that perhaps Herod had had a little bit too much wine that night. <laughs> he had overstepped, overstated, and he had made the oath in front of all of these people. So the daughter goes to Herodias and asks, what should I ask of Herod? And Herodias says, ask, ask for the head of John the Baptist. She goes back. She asks that John the Baptist be decapitated and that his head be brought back on a platter. And so it was. And then Mark ends this section of his gospel simply by saying that when his disciples heard this, they came and retrieved the body and buried it. Well, it's a bleak story of violence and injustice. And the world that Mark lived in was a, a world much like that. Uh, it's believed that 
Mark was written in that decade of the, the Jewish war, when Rome was again trying to suppress uh, the, the Jewish people in Israel. This was the time from about 62 to 72 when uh, the temple was eventually des uh, destroyed in, in AD 70. So it was a very, very violent and difficult time. And the nascent church must have clearly understood what it was for the weak to be dominated by the strong. But I think it's also important to understand that this is not the whole story. It's a description of the world, certainly as, as Mark might have experienced it and the people that he was writing to. And really, truthfully, it's a description of the world that we live in these days. But there's more than that. That is not the end of the story. Mark goes on for ten chapters to lay out the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark's gospel and the preaching and teaching of the church go on to describe that the power of God works in the lives of God's people to transform their lives and to transform the world in which they live. The coming of Jesus into the world is to show us that there is something beyond the violence of Herod. There is something beyond the violence that we see in Syria and in so many other places throughout this world, in our cities, as well as in some of our smaller communities. We are seemingly surrounded by violence, and we could be overcome by that. We could feel overwhelmed. But the truth is that we believe and we proclaim as a church, and hopefully we live in our lives, that there is something beyond all of that violence, and that the good news that Jesus came to proclaim to us is not just something to help us get through the day, not just something to help us persist, not even just something to help us succeed, but rather it is something to transform us and to transform the world in which we live. He came that we might have life abundant, is what was said. And he also is the one who comes to bring that peace, which is truly beyond our understanding. Well, perhaps it would be best for me to end with the words that were uh, said by John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, in a prophecy that he proclaimed when John was brought to the temple for his circumcision at his twelfth day of life. Listen to these uh, wonderful words of prophecy. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. John the Baptist, the one who showed the way for the Christ to come into our lives and to bring into our lives transformation, new life, life abundant, and peace. Amen.